Now this feels like training camp. <laughs> Pearl Jam. A little Pearl Jam on and, uh, you know, talking to Mike Persuda, talking to Matt Williamson. I, I'm Dale Lolly. It feels like a training camp uh, night at Sharky's. Am I correct, Mike? Seems to be a theme of the day. Why not, right? <laughs> uh, Bud Dupree talking about it's starting to feel real. Mike Tomlin talking about the need for urgency and the need to get ready for September football. Yeah, we should be at Sharky's having a stuffed banana pepper pizza <laughs> arguing about baseball. Maybe we'll do that Friday night, Mike. Maybe. Uh, anyways, this is the uh, training camp report here on Steelers Nation Radio. And uh, to your point about the urgency picking up, Mike, I thought it was notable today that all the guys who have been nursing little injuries over the last couple of weeks were pretty much back ah. to start practice today. The only guys missing were David DeCastro, who Mike uh, Mike Tomlin said uh, is dealing with a lower uh, leg injury that uh, lower body injury. Lower body must injury. have, got, it's must like have got that against the Islanders. Yeah, right. it's like hockey. But I, I assume that's still the calf issue that was bothering him before. Uh, Anthony McFarland uh, was out today, and then long snapper Cam Canaday, who's been a, 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 a you know, he's been out for a while as mm-hmm. well. Uh, Chris Wormley was back and at least yeah. a partial participant. Everybody else, whether they've been missing time or you know here or there or whatever. Uh, was back today, and it's no coincidence because roster cutdown is Saturday. Ah. <laughs> you better be back on the field to make that one last impression. Right, I mean, that makes perfect sense. And I'm sure they're gearing up for the Giants at this point, too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I think, uh, you know, you start to see more of that. and uh, But I just think that that sense of urgency, I think we saw some of that today. Um, I did my uh, my 53-man roster projection over the weekend, and maybe we'll talk about that uh, yeah, in, in, in uh, one of the next segments here. But um, No, we're going to save that for tomorrow because there's no practice. Oh, there you go. Hmm. Well, anyways, one of the guys that I didn't <laughs> Coming have. Coming tomorrow on this should-be-award-winning show, Dale's 53, <laughs> my 53. I don't know if Williamson's going to do one. Yeah, I think, but, uh, I think you should do your 53 I for tomorrow. probably muster something up between now and then. I think fifty three is a good off day pursuit, Dale. I'm just just a you know it's your show. You're you're the quarterback. I'm just carrying the ball once in a while. But I'd I'd sit on that plate till the second half. That's not a bad I mean. idea. We'll save that hail mary for the next opponent. Uh, we save that yeah. that trick play. Don't want to put all the good stuff on tape right away. Gotta, yeah. But I I mean one of the guys and I don't I don't think I'm giving away too much here by saying this is one of the guys that I had on the bubble. It was Dion Kane, and I thought Dion Kane had a great practice today. Mm, good. I, I concurred, and to the urgency point, a little live goal line today. That helps. That helps increase the urgency, but that was, you know, kind of at the end. Uh, but they started off not with necessarily seven shots, but a two-minute drill. Um, you know, Seven taking shots. Yeah, seven taking shots uh, down the field, as it were. I think he took like 13 plays to get them down the field. But they did score with two seconds left. A touchdown pass to Juju Smith-Schuster on that one. High tempo. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the next one, I, I think Mason Rudolph over the last week, week and a half, uh, he had that one rough Thursday, the, the first week they were in pads. And since then has looked pretty good and, and looked good again today in, the, in his uh, hurry-up offense. Uh, including uh, knowing to throw the ball to number 11 in the end zone. And he hit him three times on that drive. That's a pretty good place to go with the football. Yeah, I'm not going to give you pretty good, Dale, but I'll say better. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm measuring it against his, that, that yeah. Thursday. I think uh, he's throwing, he's made well, some I'm measuring nice it against. He's I'm made measuring some... everything against last year. 
but to your point about throwing it to number 11, we can talk about this because it's included in, in the, the handy, handy dandy practice report. Practice pool report. <laughs> Claypool went way up over cornerback James Pierre and hooked his feet inbounds to complete the catch of the day. And I'll give Mason Rudolph credit for this. That was a bang-bang play. You had to get it outside to the pylon in a hurry, and he put it where Claypool and Claypool alone could catch it. And this just in, Claypool did because that's yeah. what Claypool does. Well, and James Pierce grabbing it off the rim. James I mean, Pierce is a six foot two cornerback. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. not like he's some slappy out there who you know five. You know, it's not like it was uh, Senquez Golson or something like sure, that. Sure, sure. I mean, he had to put it up where. <laughs> Where the, you some know, slapping. <laughs> he had to put the ball where, where he gave his six foot four receiver a chance to catch it, and he did that. It was it, I thought it was a very a very good throw. Again, found yeah. him found him a couple of times for some chunk plays to get them into position to make that throw. Uh, he had just missed another touchdown the previous uh, on the previous play when the other receiver didn't get his feet down in bounds. This time, Claypool that, did. That was your guy, Kane. Yeah. Well, that wasn't in the handy-dandy pool report, so I couldn't say who it was. But uh, I guess I just messed up. You messed up. Uh, yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, l- let me try to retrace my steps here. <laughs> the- there was a play to a guy who thought he scored but hadn't, <laughs> according to another guy refereeing, and the, other- the guy who thought he scored was kind of honked off about it, but yes. uh, all's well that ends well. Uh, why have a six foot four <laughs> receiver if you don't put it only where he can get it? So you guys, I'm assuming, are under the impression that we might see this from time to time throughout the year, the uh, the, the jump ball in the end zone move. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think that's a very nearly a given. And I, I would, would also say this, um, just because that one happened with the second unit doesn't mean that was the only time Claypool was on the field in that drill. Ah, it doesn't say okay. this in the handy-dandy pool report, but I, I think see. I, he was out there with other units as well. I see. So he, he got some playing time today. Yes. Good. Uh, Dale, he got his letter that, today. <laughs> yeah, I've read every one of these uh, handy-dandy practice pool reports, and Claypool's name is all over the place every day. Um, I, I'm I'm going to assume he's been in every one. I should, I should probably verify that, and maybe that'll be another off-day activity. Uh, we'll, we'll go through the practice reports and kind of come up with our stars uh, of camp uh, as, as we can report it. But, uh, you know, just as advertised, uh, Matt's point, you know, getting it off the rim, uh, not everybody can do that. And uh, that's what what we heard about this guy before the draft and and the reasons that the Steelers drafted him, we're we're seeing it play out at Heinz Field. Um, Not in a game that counts yet, but we're seeing it. It's not just the ability to go up and get the football because you know a guy that's 6'4 can do that. Mm Mm-hmm. It's the ability to then kind of go limp and get the feet down and bounds as well. We've seen him do That's that a number of times. Hard to do. Yeah. And get the, not just one foot because, you know, you're coming from the college game where all you need is the one foot. Mm-hmm. He's getting both feet down and bounds consistently. Um, and again, he's a load. I, I don't even know if the cornerback tried to, you know, do one of those just, I'm, just, I'm not even going to play the football. I'm just going to force Try him to out push of the him end zone. Bounds while he's in the air. That might be the only way to defend that. It's still a lot of body and it's to still push a lot around. Of, yeah, right. It's still 240 pounds that you've got to try to move mm-hmm. out of the way. The impression I've got is, and this kind of lends itself to that, is his body control might be better than I thought. You know, catching balls behind him on the run, getting his feet down, those type of things where receiver things. Yeah, you know, but not natural things <laughs> right. either. You know, not tight mean, end. That those are, you know, when he was looked upon as a tight end, I think that kind of put that 
some of those thoughts in people's minds that, well, maybe he's not quite fluid enough to be a mm-hmm. wide receiver. Right, right. Well, he's right. definitely fluid enough to be a wide receiver. There's <laughs> no doubt about enough that. And changing yeah. directions and right. Um, so, you know, Dale, yeah. I can't remember if you were on that conference call right after the draft with Brian Kelly. From I was not on that one, no. He talked about you know the Notre Dame, which knows how to run a show. You know, they had a bunch of guys drafted, so they got their coach on to any media from anywhere who wanted to talk about them. And and he talked about Claypool, the first uh, inkling that Notre Dame got that there was this guy up in Canada they ought to take a look at was from a guy who Kelly described as one of the friends of the program that kind of looks out for Notre Dame football. And I assume they have these people all over the country. That, you know, they got their own scouting network that they don't have to pay because the school is so uh, steeped in tradition and, and so many people love it so dearly. And Kelly told a story about being told that there was this kid that he was seen playing basketball and his competitive fire was such that the Irish had to take a look at him. And when I think back to that, uh, I'm starting to think more that the body positioning and the ability to go up and get the ball off the rim that Matt talked about and so many things in basketball are critical to playing wide receiver and or tight end. Well, that's and because I, basketball I recall, players are the best athletes, Mike. They, they may are. be. They I are. mean, yeah. I'm not kidding here. I remember Antonio Gates started his collegiate athletic career as a tight end at Michigan State. But you guys and, see some basketball things like shielding oh, people no from the doubt. ball. No and doubt. Yeah. I mean, boxing out just, and tight end type stuff, too. Yeah. You know. But the, just the, the, it's hard to learn, isn't yeah. it, Dale? I mean, you have a knack for it, or you don't. Like you, you, you know, yeah, how you to can be... you can get better at those things. But I, I certainly think the ball skills, um, you know, knowing where to go, knowing how to use your body, to, timing to, a high point of and ball, timing right. it. I, I, we talked about like when I watched Plexico Burris early in his career, I couldn't believe that he was a very good basketball player because he didn't have that timing. Mm-hmm. He mistimed his jumps. You know, he would he would jump too early. He would jump too late. Um, you know, it just it just never added up. I mean, you don't have to be the biggest yeah. guy to be the best rebounder, right? If and the, use, the point I wanted to finish later, about you know, right? Yeah, go ahead. The point I wanted to finish about Gates was he went to Michigan State under the assumption he could play football and basketball. And uh, I, I believe it was Nick Saban who said, "No, you're only going to play football." And uh, I believe it was Antonio Gates who said, "No, I'm going to play somewhere else." Actually, <laughs> and he ended up at. He ended up at Kent State playing basketball, and he was a really good basketball player. I saw him play against Pitt in uh, the Sweet 16 at Rupp Arena, and uh, then he gets he ends up uh, becoming a Hall of Famer NFL, maybe. I think so. Yeah, I think he'll, he'll be go. there. Yeah. yeah. Well, that really be- good. Let's let's just say really good at tight end because of his. I think that basketball background meant everything to him. Well, yeah, I think you know you see that transition a lot, especially at the tight end slash receiver position, where these guys, you know, are some of the best athletes on the field. Are the guys going out to catch the passes now? Oh yeah, it, I mean they're just and the catch radius and and everything that they have there. But um, I, I see Chase Claypool is is you know we talked about it last night uh, on on the final word, and, and Mark Madden says you know if the Steelers have the the you know the the, the the smarts to play him early. I'm like, Mark, they're going to play him early. He's <laughs> going to play early. early. This is going to happen. You don't make as many plays in practice as he has. I don't care if there was no preseason or not. They're going to work him into the equation, and what he does with it from there is up to him. 
But he's going to take an expert eye to figure out he needs to be on the field. He's going to get yeah. chances. Yeah, there's no doubt about that because that kind of again, I was I was watching him today. He had a rep against Cameron Sutton, and I don't need to reference the pool report to, to say this. Okay. I'm looking at him, and Cameron Sutton is not the biggest cornerback in the league, but he's not the smallest either. He's 5'11". He's probably an average-sized cornerback. And I'm yeah. watching him walk walk next to Chase Claypool, and I'm like, look at that. He's a full helmet bigger than this guy, and that guy's an average-sized NFL corner. I mean, how do you how do you combat that if you're a cornerback? What do you what do you do? You you can't you can't you can't defend speed, and you can't defend size. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and you you can't defend size and speed. Both is just uh, it's indefensible. Uh, I'm really interested to watch him get off press coverage, especially in an NFL regular season game against a number one type corner. But I got to think if you're a corner walking up on him at the line of scrimmage. Got to be a little intimidating. It's got to like, be a little intimidating. It's like David and Goliath. You're right. Where's my stone at? I got to. My hand plays. I need to hit him in the head with a brick. Right. <laughs> I mean, he's going to shrug me off like you know, like a, a, a small person. And oh, by the way, he runs a four four. So if, if mm-hmm. I if I lose a step here, I'm done. Yeah. And and to how we started the segment when that ball's in the air, as a defensive back, if you don't time your your jump exactly to the split second perfect, you're doomed. I mean, even if you do, you might be doomed. Yeah, yeah I, two I things agree. About, two things about that. If, if you're a defensive back, one of the reasons might be because you don't time the ball special. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> and number two, I mean, this has nothing to do with anything that transpired today or anything like that, but just, you know, a little football theory. There are ways to get a receiver off the line of scrimmage if he can't get past press coverage. No doubt. We've seen it with Juju you know, his whole career, right? Something like, uh, I guess, putting a guy in motion might achieve that. It probably would, and it, right. In a, to, in a totally coincidental uh, development, the Steelers have added a guy to the coaching staff who has a reputation as a motion-slash-misdirection guru in Matt Canada. Hmm. Those are just two How totally unrelated, yeah, they, they, unrelated right, observations right. on my part. Just spitballing here. Very, very astute yeah. uh, on your end of the, the things. <laughs> uh, we're going to take a break. He is Mike Pursuta. That's Matt Williamson. I'm Dale Lally. You are listening to the Training Camp Report here on Steelers Nation Radio. We're wrapping up the day as the Steelers start what will be their final week of padded practices here at Heinz Field uh, as they uh, come closer and closer to uh, cut-down day, which is Saturday uh, of course, uh, then they'll uh, form that practice squad on Sunday. And I would assume next Monday will be their uh, first official practice uh, working strictly uh, against their, or planning planning for uh, playing the New York football Giants the following week at the Meadowlands. It's right around the corner. That's I mean, awesome. How exciting is this? I'm pretty wound up. Yeah. yeah. It's been a while for me. It's been quite a yeah. while. Uh, but we're going to take a break. We'll be right back after this. West jumped the gun on us here. 
We should have saved that for the segment uh, tomorrow when we do our 53-man rosters. Ah, there you go. Who stays and who goes. Yeah, would have been perfect. Would have been perfect. Maybe we could bring it back. (laughs) We could. Uh, I'm Dale Lally, uh, here with Matt Williamson and Mike Pursuta. This is the Training Camp Report on Steelers Nation Radio. And uh, guys, uh, I, I did a little research over the weekend. Uh, because I was looking at that Steelers secondary, and I know a lot of people. I thought we had a rule against no research on these shows. Sometimes you got to look some it's stuff. It's very up. rare. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just do it. Sometimes I'm bored. Let's put it that way. Crawley and I referenced this on the drive today. Oh, did you? I was interested to talk to you about it. Okay. Okay. So I, I looked it up. I, I went online and I found one of these websites that projects all the starters mm-hmm. for different positions for all the teams in the league, and I looked at. The starting cornerback duos for all 32 teams. And of those 32 teams, only seven drafted both of their cornerbacks. Uh, so essentially, you have seven out of 32 teams who drafted their two starting cornerbacks. And it's it just, to me, you know, when people talk about the Steelers, well, they can't draft cornerbacks. They're, they're terrible at drafting defensive backs, whatever, however you want to say it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, this is something that happens around the league. Cornerbacks, I think, are, is the most. It, it, it's the most. I, I think of, of all the positions. Hold, hold my calls. Hold you on, please? Yeah. yeah, I'll do that. It's, <laughs> it's political season, um, but I just think it's the most volatile positions in the league. Like you see a guy like Prince of Makamura. Yeah, he's working on like his fifth team now. Right, he's, he's been first a round pick. He's been a starting cornerback in each one of those teams. Right, right. But, but nobody wants to resign him. Mm-hmm. You know, but he's better. Yeah, right. he can always do better. And I think that's the cornerback position in a nutshell. And I think right now the Steelers have maybe their best group of cornerbacks in a long, long time. I think it's a good conversation. And Adam sprung it on me today. I was kind of shocked by that number. And I've been trying to think why. You know, I'm not real sure. Um, I have some theories and we can get to it. But I do think it's notable that – at least until the last couple years, during the Kevin Colbert era, corner was not a priority it was for this not, team. No. You yeah. know, they were drafting mid-round guys, slowly develop them, special teams, nickel corner, get your shot, tall guys that could tackle, play a lot of off coverage. You know, you, you cut corner at corner. You know, I mean, and now I think that's changed. Um, a couple notes that I mentioned earlier were, Rookie corners struggle, you know, I mean, so, and it's certainly a confidence position. We've seen guys here in the past lose their confidence and wash out. But I also think it's a position where people pay for, you know, like the Steelers are a perfect example. They went and paid for Nelson. By their standards, that was a huge signing. Right. So I think it's a, a position you're very willing to go outside the organization to get the answer. Yeah, and I, I just I just think when you when you look at it too, I think teams. Um, you mentioned rookies struggling. Well, how many of these guys are getting thrown into the fray? And you know, oh, and every quarterback's going to yeah. attack them. Sink, sink or swim, and yeah, you're going you going got to be a target on your chest. Right? Um, you know, a guy like it made me what made me think of this over the weekend. It was three years since Joe Hayden had been released by the Browns. In perhaps one of the dumbest in the the, the Browns have made a dumb move after dumb move. Since they come back into the NFL, that might be up there among their their dumbest. Flat out release, release. It was this time of year, is right before the season. Yeah, yeah. Saturday was the uh, was the ten year anniversary of that. Wow. Um, it just it just makes no sense 
uh, you know, to do that when, again, you, you had not only you had just drafted Denzel Ward, mm-hmm. you might want him there to, for, you know, Joe Hayden there for Denzel Ward to lean on a little bit. Uh, side note, too, I mean, something I've talked about forever with that team, and now it's really evident with like the Jags. Who's your locker room leader? Who's your Cam Hayward? You know, you can clean house year after year, but who's going to bring the tradition? Who's going to bring, this is how we do things in Cleveland. This is how yeah. we do things in Pittsburgh. You know, and, they don't have any of those guys. And it wasn't like they were up against the cap. No, they, they had plenty of cap space. Like a million in cap space. Yeah, they, had pl- they, just, they just didn't want him around anymore. I can't imagine the situation that a team would look at Joe Hayden and say, yeah, we don't want that guy here anymore. He's, he's too big, too big of a problem. I mean, they had a conversation with the top people in the organization and came to the conclusion they're better without him than with him. Which is just nuts. <laughs> and the same, the same thing, if you look at Steven Nelson's career in Kansas City, the fans in Kansas City couldn't wait for them to get rid of, of Steven Nelson. We need to get somebody in here better than Steven Nelson. How many corners in the league last year were better than Steven right. Nelson? And the Chiefs' corners are a mess right now. Five? Yeah, I mean, not not many. You're right. <laughs> I mean, so it's beauties in the eye of the beholder at that position. Um, you know, when we talked to Bob last week about one of the things that Bill Nunn used to, would tell the young scouts, mm-hmm. don't look at the cornerback and say, or you know, and, and say, well, he's he's playing ten yards off, so he you know he doesn't feel like he has the recovery speed. That may be what he's being told to do. Sure, it could be scheme. You know, Absolutely it's scheme-wise right. stuff. Look at his ankle flexion. Look at his, you know, how he breaks on the ball. Those mm-hmm. kind of things. I just think the cornerback position, because so because every team does things differently. Some guys are just bad fits. Coming Playing out zone of- versus man. I mean, I mean, and there's many varieties in between. It, it isn't like you can do one, you can do the other. It, <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? and you go back to you may remember this one, Mike, when when the Steelers signed. Uh, um, uh, McLean, Bryce, McC- uh, Bryce McCain, from the Houston Texans, and when he came here, that was that was one of their big offseason signings. And Steeler fans went nuts because Pro Football Focus had him as one of their lowest rated corners <laughs> the year before. Two years later, when Bryce McCain's leaving in free agency, Steeler fans are going nuts. How are they going to replace Bryce McCain? <laughs> He's been great. It's it never. It, I just think the you know. Beauty's in the eye of the beholder when it comes to the cornerback position. Uh, it is, and I think Matt's point to fit is really the the critical dynamic at play here. Uh, you know, I'll say this about Hayden, uh, Matt. Uh, I talked to some guys in your in your former business around the league, and there was a school of thought that he had been injured for a couple of years. Yeah, and they were they were leg injuries. And uh, I, I was told by a guy whose opinion I respect, he can't run anymore. Hmm. And uh, that turned out to be wrong. But uh, the fit is clearly better here. He's got better people around him uh, than, than he, he had in He moves fine Cleveland. to me now. But I, I hear he you. Does he, move, he, he does move fine. But there, he missed some time. And, you know, mm-hmm. you're getting to the point, are you going to are you gonna pay the guy a ton of money or not? Um, and, and in the case of Steven Nelson – yeah, that that Kansas City defense was a joke when he was there. Oh yeah, I mean and, people people talked I mean, about it, he well he was the most targeted not, cornerback in the league. Yeah, he was because no, they, threw, like, they were always behind or they were always there. way ahead. Yeah, and at the, even you know till very recently that defense wasn't very good. I still don't think it's one of the top ones in the league, but it's you know good enough to win the Super Bowl. So <laughs> I'm sure they don't care. But uh, just you know, there's two guys that, that they found the right fit, and uh, they're both really good players. But, uh, you know, sometimes really good players uh, change addresses. And uh, sometimes, in the case of Nelson, I think 
you know, Hayden was an all pro in Cleveland. Now I don't think he's that now, but I think he's very, very good. Yeah. Uh, Nelson was kind of a guy that, uh, well, what, what do you have on your hands here? I think he's uh, playing better now than he ever did before. Dale, you and I talk about a lot. Like I remember having this conversation with Vance McDonald that usually tight ends take about to age 27 until they hit their stride. I, I've never seen anything done on defense because there's not there's not production and right, things like yeah. that to judge it. But I wonder, do corners take a while to develop? And, and my thoughts on that are, first of all, rookie corners really have an uphill climb. You literally have a target on your back. You're going to get attacked <laughs> even if you're the first pick in the draft. Yeah. I mean, And you can't be nearly as handsy as you are in the college level. Um, when you were a superstar in college, no one threw your way. You know, yeah. now it's the opposite. Every receiver that you're playing against in the pros was the best receiver. That sure. Better than any receiver you face in college. And, and we often talk about how I think the discrepancy from D lineman is so much greater than O line. Well, I think right behind that is the receivers are way better than the corners in the league right now. And every year, you know, Chase Claypool shouldn't be a second round pick. You know, I mean, right. you know what I mean? They're just flooded with awesome receivers. And I think it does take a while maturation-wise for these corners that maybe they only peak their last year and then the team says, ah, we'll move on. You know, like I mean, We kind of saw that with Keenan Lewis, did we not, Mike? Yes, we did. That's a great example. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, other, the other example I wanted to bring up, uh, you know, regarding fit, uh, the Seattle Seahawks, when they were at the height of their dominance and they had that Legion of Boom thing, those guys were, for the most part, mid to late round picks, right? They they yeah. knew how they wanted to play and they went out and found those guys. Dale, you were talking about Bill Nunn's, you know, don't don't downgrade a guy cuz he's playing off coverage. Maybe that's what he's being told. The Seahawks didn't necessarily look for the best corners. And I think to the extent the Steelers played it this way as well. They looked for guys who did what they wanted to do at the position and you could get those guys uh, you know, in mid rounds and place develop other, them, right? other than other than the top of the first round. Yeah, to your point, like with Seattle, it's a great example because they don't need you to come down and press and run a 4-3 and have the first-round pick hips. It's like going to ride the Thunderbolt. you got to be as tall as Kenny Kangaroo <laughs> to get on this ride to play corner for the Seahawks. You have to have 33-inch arms or longer. you got to be 6 so, yeah, foot or pretty, taller. It's a pretty tall kangaroo. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you got to be a big old kangaroo to get on that ride. And the other thing I was thinking, too, which is to the Bill Nunn point, a lot of times I'm sure you draft corners and just say, this kid's a great athlete. He's we'll, playing we'll corner. Make, we'll we'll yeah. round him into what we we'll want We'll turn him, to him into a yeah. corner, and first two years it doesn't work that way. You know, I mean, it takes a while to learn. Is, I, and I've remember, never, I've remember never remember seen how a good st- Troy Polamalu was? It's, this isn't a cornerback thing, but it's a secondary thing. I mean, Troy Polamalu was outstanding in college, right? And yeah, sure. The Steelers traded up to get him. And he was a sub-package player as a rookie, and he told me one time he should have been named the MVP for the other team as a rookie because he was so bad. <laughs> and he was right. He stunk. Yeah. I mean, That's little good. to no impact whatsoever, many mistakes. Hmm. And, you know, how do you like me now? I Fit and timing are everything, I guess. And the more I'm thinking about it, too, and maybe the Steelers subscribe to this now, too, that, hey – this this position is more important to us now. I think the Steelers are one of the best defenses in their ability to play man or zone equally well. So we're going to allocate a big chunk of our cap to two professional starters, and we're going to pay them accordingly. We don't want to draft tight ends in the first round and 
groom them for three years when we could that could have been a guard that I could plug right in. So, yeah, we might use a little bit higher picks on the corner position, but we're glad going get the bird in the hand outside the organization for a starter. Maybe more than they were in the past for sure. Well, yeah, I mean they they definitely um, you know changed what they were looking for at the cornerback position. Mm-hmm. They wanted guys who could take the football away. More man coverage. They wanted to, they wanted yeah. to play more man coverage. That was you know certainly something that they looked at. I mean the the days of running Antoine Blake and, oh, yeah. and uh, you know Ross Cockrell. God bless them both. Um, we had this conversation last week. Yeah. You guys named a couple corners of in very recent memory. Wow, they wouldn't even make this team. Right. And, and <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I just think that the cornerback, you know, people were asking him, well, you know, why can't Cam Sutton get on the field? Why can't Justin Lane? How does Justin Lane get on the field this year? They don't unless they don't. something happens. But that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. That's what you want. You want that depth. And, that's and, enviable depth. Yeah. Right. And it's not that those were bad picks. I think both of those right. guys are NFL players. But right now they're not better than the two starting guys. That doesn't mean that, you know, the, the Steelers have – have uh, you know Mike Hilton and just and uh, Cameron Sutton are both free agents at the end of this year. It would not surprise me at all. I mean, Mike Hilton's going to get paid. Oh yeah, as a nickel is one of the top nickel corners in the league, and it wouldn't surprise me if Cameron Sutton gets paid well as well, uh, whether it be from the Steelers or somebody else uh, for either one of those guys. But they're going to make a lot of money this offseason because this team has depth at the cornerback position that I don't recall them having in quite. Quite, quite some time, Mike. Yeah, I would agree, and uh, I, I think Hilton certainly is going to get paid. Sutton, I'm not as sure. I guess the guys that evaluate this stuff are pretty sharp, and I think the role he plays. Hey, if you're in the dime, you know I don't know how many snaps that is, fifty percent maybe, uh, around that ballpark. I mean, you're you're playing a significant role, and uh, even if you don't have a lot of splash statistics if you're on a real good defense and you're out there half the time you must be doing something right correct so uh, he, he's certainly not a weak link um they've and incorporated knows, ways to get him on the field yeah who yeah. knows what what might happen with COVID or with injuries he may end up playing a much more prominent role than than they have envisioned for him right now but i don't think they would react to that with any kind of panic oh god i don't know how this is going to work out we got to play something more i yeah, yeah, I mean, I just they'd be okay with that. Just looking at his play more already. Yeah, looking <laughs> at his stats from last year, Mike, um, he gave up uh, 14 completions and 25 targets, uh, had one interception. The pa- t- uh, passer rating when he was targeted last year was 54.1 percent, hmm. or 54.1, one not percent. And he's 50. often out there on passing down. Yeah, I mean, so yeah. I-, I think, you know, when you when you look at him, I think he's really good in coverage. Um, yeah, he just. His his problem getting on the field is the fact that I, I his his rookie year he got hurt and missed half the first half of the season, but now the last couple of years they've been using him in so many different spots. You see him at safety sometimes, you know, back in not so much this year, um, but you, you would see him line up at safety at times, and, and you would see him you'd, you'd see him outside, you'd see him inside. Uh, that he's just capable of doing so many different things, and I think he's a smart guy. That it, you know, this is something that's kind of worked against him a little bit. And and by the way, he can't get past Mike Hilton. Mike Hilton won't give up that starting spot. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot to like about Hilton. I'm sure the coaches adore him. I mean, his style of play really fits in around here. Yeah, he's exactly what they want mm-hmm. out of that nickel guy. Well, they'd they'd like him to be a little taller. But well, yeah, I mean, other, he can't have everything. Other than that, yeah. I mean, it's he does struggle on occasion in in the wrong matchup. 
but he does so many other things so well. I, I continue to marvel at the feel he has for playing around the line of scrimmage and picking his spots, how to rush, where to rush. And even, you know, forget getting around the tackle. The quarterbacks are all bigger than he is now. And he gets <laughs> right, up on the ground. Right, right. Josh Allen and Cam Newton, I mean, they're yeah, I mean, 50 pounds heavier than guys. Right, right, right. I've been harping on it a lot lately, and a lot of it's in response to is Vince Williams the weak link, which I think he sort of is. I think, and you mentioned the dime. I think they're going to play a ton of dime this year. You know, I mean, with maybe Riley and the two starting safeties and three corners, or the two starting safeties Sutton, Hilton, and the two corners, and have a basically a four-one with Edmonds, you know, as a linebacker type. Allen can do those things too. I think that's getting their best football players on the field. They definitely have a lot of flexibility, and I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one thing I wanted to touch on here in the next segment. Um, now that we're a few weeks into this camp, um, just uh, some of our, our main takeaways thus far. Uh, but we'll do that when we come back. Uh, he is Matt Williamson. That's Mike Persuda. And I am Dale Lolly. This is the Training Camp Report on Steelers Nation Radio. Our Steelers coverage is brought to you by PNC Bank. PNC Bank is the official bank of the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is the official radio station of the Pittsburgh Steelers. If you haven't tuned in here before, what have you been waiting for? Uh, we welcome you here, but uh, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back after this. mansion forget the price <laughs> ain't never been there they tell me it's nice nice great song mm-hmm. great song uh welcome back to the training camp report here on steelers nation radio i'm dale lolly here with matt williamson and mike Prasuda. and uh guys um life's been good thus far for the steelers in terms of the uh the injury report uh, but uh, David DeCastro, we did get a little bit of an update today. He's dealing with that lower <laughs> leg issue. That uh, very little, very <laughs> lower body <laughs> issue. Did, right? Dale, did you find it curious at all that he was not out there standing around? At um, least during the part that was streamed on Steelers.com, he was not out there whereas, the entire time that I saw. Where he is, he had been previously. I, I think maybe they were working on him a little bit. Um, I don't know. I, I can't say for sure, but uh, certainly. Uh, they, that may be something that they sent him out to get looked at. I don't know uh, because, as I mentioned, that calf had been bothering him uh, through the first portion of the uh, the padded practices. I uh, missed that first week with that. Comes back. Maybe they might have mm-hmm. held him out of that uh, rainy um, dress rehearsal or whatever you want to call that uh, thing from last Friday. It's getting late, though, in the process. It is. And, you know, I'm sure that's a concern. Um, you know, I'm sure they're going to be very cautious with him moving forward. You don't want that to be something that lingers into the regular season. Uh, just saw some news here on the wire. Uh, the Giants, who the Steelers play in the opener, they signed uh, defensive back Logan Ryan to uh, help their makes just beleaguered secondary. I mean, I guess we should start talking Giants more and more. But their defense, they hired Matt, a yoke. Matt, yes. Matt. We'll start talking Giants a week from Thursday. 
Well, then, never mind. We can talk about DeCastro's uh, lower body if when you, you When like you it. and I are on WDVE-FM. <laughs> That's only an hour. Pittsburgh we need a lot Steelers more time than that to talk Giants. The, I, I, want you, I want your best fastball. <laughs> He's been bringing his fastball all year long. Heck, yeah. Um, a quick note on that, though, that makes really a lot of sense is the Giants – the new defensive coordinator, I forget his name, but they signed him away from the Dolphins, which basically means they signed him away from New England, and they're going to play a <laughs> Patriots-style defense. They don't have the cover men to do it. Logan Ryan, obviously, is very well-trained in that exact same defense. It, it shocks me that he lasted this long. He's a good player. He's a big slot. I heard early on, though, or just last week, he was saying that he wanted to be – he thought he was a safety at this point in his career. I took it as – if you want me to be a safety, I'll be a safety. You know, but yeah. you might be right. I mean, he has that skill set. He's very physical. He's a good blitzer. He's a bigger, not fast, you know, slot guy who, who can't really play on the outside anymore. So yeah, maybe he is McCourty. Yeah, you they just I mean? needed they just needed help. They've they need all, everybody. They can get, they've got right. all kinds of issues that up makes there. Sense. One team, one thing that I've I've kind of feel a little bit better now uh, about, and I don't know how you feel about this, Mike. Um, a lot of the questions I had about depth with this Steelers lineup, mm-hmm. I feel a little bit better about the. Actually, I feel a lot better about their depth at a lot of different positions. Uh, just, I think outside linebacker, I think Highsmith can play. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think it's safety. They found something there uh, in in uh, Riley. Um, you know, late signing, but he's come in and made some plays. I think I think he'll fit in well. Uh, you know, I, I think. Allen Gilbert. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. think I think they've got a little bit better depth than what I felt three weeks ago before we had seen them practice. How do you feel about that, Mike? Well, I think you're leading me uh, as as we uh, stated before the break. We were going to do impressions of camp to this point. Yes, uh, that that was going to be one of them. So, okay. uh, if 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 you don't mind, I'd like take to it away. Uh, take Have at wheel. it. Yeah, take, take the wheel here for a minute. I came up uh, now. Just for all you people out there in Steelers Nation radio land, sometimes you prep a show and you actually go over stuff before you're going to talk about it. <laughs> we do not so do that on this yeah. show. Yeah, we don't do that. But sometimes when, when Dale just drops that the way he did, uh, draws it up in the dirt, gives me the commercial break to think about it, you get fresh, raw, emotional reaction. And I think that's what you're going to get that's here. That's what Dude, I like to do. We, you uh, got the whole commercial break. I rarely get that. <laughs> Yeah, I, we do, I do freeform jazz radio. We just go wherever, man. Yeah, it's freeform jazz. It, it, I'd kill for a commercial break here and there to figure things out. No, but I, I get, want I that. I want it. that natural reaction to stuff. That's what I want. I jotted down five things uh, quickly in terms of uh, impressions, trends. You know, this is the way the wind's blowing. Uh, you got to start with seven shots, and that is number seven taking shots. He's back, and I wasn't sure. Uh, he was going to come back from elbow surgery, 38 years of age, and be as good as he once was. He may be better than he's ever been. Wow. You know, Toby, Toby Keith. We're going to stick with the musical uh, <laughs> musical uh, tie-ins here. Uh, I ain't as good as I once was, but I'm as good once as I ever was. That might be. He, he might be really good this season. This just in. I'm going to go out on a limb and suggest that. That I think Roethlisberger's presence has been an overwhelming. Uh, running theme of this camp. Uh, second one, uh, a concept that near and dear to my heart, two-for-one drafts. Uh, looks like Chase Claypool and Alex Highsmith can do what the Steelers envisioned. And I'm just talking about 
make an impact. All right. I'm not saying either one's offensive rookie of the year or defensive rookie of the year or all pro or anything. There should be a role for both. And, and it's going to be in both cases, roles that will need to be played. A guy who can complement the offense and particularly help in the red zone and a guy who can provide that situational pass rush off the edge and not get you killed if they decide to run the ball or uh, target him in coverage, something of that nature. Uh, I, I think both of those guys, uh, they are who we thought they were. So real uh, quick question on that, if you don't mind, Mike. So you th- sure. I'm not to put words in your mouth, but I assume you're saying you think they can have a positive influence on this season – with the anticipation of being much more down the line, you know, in years to come. Yeah, but I wouldn't even consider the down the line part yet. I'm just okay. talking for this season. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I th- Which is more than they're, I hope they're at here, some point. Right. And I think they're going to help get them to the end of 2020, and then we'll see thereafter. Uh, you know, uh, the depth, I think, is, is less of a concern, uh, at least potentially, than it was, and Matt, you mentioned Marcus, uh, or excuse me, Ulysses Gilbert. I almost said Marcus Gilbert. Um, the defensive line, I think. Uh, I think Henry Mondo's making some noise. I like Mondo. Uh, I, I think Dan McCullers. I hate. I'm going to hate myself. This for time of year. This. I, you know, I, I never really saw him do anything in the previous preseasons. How many of them have there been? Dale, nine, ten. Uh, I think he's on. The, he's on fourteen. He's on the Blutarski uh, plan for college here. If he can just get a little push when he's in there and get his hands up and impact the play that way, that can that can be impactful. Running back, uh, I I want to see Benny Snell and uh, you know I hope hope James Conner stays healthy. Knock on wood. But if he does not, I think Benny Snell can pick up the ball and run with it. Uh, we've talked a lot about Curtis Riley on these programs. Uh, corner, we just spent almost the whole segment talking about how deep they are there. So I think uh, the depth is still an issue, but I don't think it's as profound a one as I thought it was before camp started. Uh, number four is uh, Allentown. little uh, salute to Billy Joel. Marcus Al, we were talking about fits and being in the right place at the right time and being the right guy for the right scheme. It, boy, Jerry Olsavsky was raving today about how this guy's taking the inside. Well, let, let's be clear now. Jerry was raving about a lot of stuff. I think Jerry he was. Jerry was like raving, stark raving mad this morning. <laughs> But I loved it. It was great stuff. Yeah, if, if I had, if I had a chance to say two more words to Jerry Olsavsky this morning, it would have been try decaf. decaf. Uh, that was. But, I, I actually texted Bert Loughton that I said you might want to work some decaf in Olsavsky's uh, yeah. morning <laughs> regime. He says, but, "Well, Bert wasn't listening." He said, "Why is he really bad?" He said, "No, the opposite. He's just going crazy right now." <laughs> but but the. Uh, the point he went back to twice regarding Allen is that he understands what the job of a linebacker is first and foremost, and that is to hit people. And and Marcus Allen, in Jerry Olsaski's estimation, is a guy who likes to hit people. And I think figuring out if a guy likes or does not like to hit people is in Jerry O's wheelhouse. Yes, because, that's uh, a good first step. And if, you're, if he, your linebackers don't like to hit people, they won't be linebackers very long. Yeah, it's going to be a problem eventually. But, I, you know, let's see where this goes with Marcus Allen. I, I, I'm I'm intrigued. And uh, last but not least, a little shout-out to Jimmy Buffett. Changes in attitudes, changes in latitudes. Again, I just want to go back to uh, the hiring of Matt Canada. And his reputation is as a misdirection, jet-sweep guy. And we have heard on Zoom conversations with the media that were public for the record from Deontay Johnson that uh, he was uh, – he was really working hard to learn all the new stuff 
that Matt Canada brought. All these new motions is how Deontay Johnson put it. And uh, Ben Roethlisberger confirming that Canada was brought in to help with the motion misdirection game. Um, I don't know what that's going to look like in September, but uh, I know what it's looked like in the past uh, at the places where Canada has worked. All very encouraging. That last one really gets me excited. <laughs> I've been asking for it for a few years now for those that have been following my work. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's been difficult uh, as a reporter to to, uh, to to see some of this stuff. And everybody's asking, you know, oh, what's, sure. what's this going to look like? What's that going to look like? Uh, do you foresee the Steelers doing this or that? And, and you know, we kind of have some ideas about what this might look like. That doesn't mean it's what it's going to look like. You would have liked to have seen some of these. To go back, to, for example, to Mike's uh, thoughts about the depth where I led him there. Um, you know, I would have liked to have seen, for example, Alex Highsmith get some time against somebody's ones, somebody oh, else's yeah. ones in a game. See if Chase Claypool makes those plays in a preseason game. Um, you know, we have see, numerous examples of yeah. guys who would have loved to have seen this preseason play real football against somebody else. But we're not going to get to see that. Right. I do like what I've seen, and, and you know, there's there's a lot of guys in this roster I, th- I think that are pushing for spots. I think their decision uh, coming down to uh, you know cutting this down to 53 guys. You know, there have been other years where you look at this and go, okay, I can get 45, I can get 48, mm-hmm. and then those last five spots are who knows. Yeah. Oh, um, wow. This one's, you know, there's there's maybe, you know, 58 or 59 guys that I could see making this roster. Hmm. Um, that's that's a little different, and I think this is a good football team. Two notes on that is I don't know how it will play out, and obviously this year is different than any, but if there really are 58, 59, 60 quality dudes – I would think your chances of them getting plucked this year are less than usual. Yes, I think this isn't a bad year to have that. Right, you might get them on the practice yeah. squad yeah. easier. Because nobody else saw them in the preseason. Nobody either. watched them in game I mean, three. When's right. the last time somebody saw Henry Mondu play? Right, right. I yeah. mean, there's no tape to judge. You know, <laughs> yeah. Just because they listen to the drive and say Henry Mondu looks good, that doesn't mean they're going to grab him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, if they want to, they can take uh, Dan McCullers. That's <laughs> <laughs> Right. And then here's a question for both of you, too, because we kind of opened this saying, and both of you reiterated, you feel better about the depth. And we also talked about Castro's injury. Does Doxon factor, factor into your depth, you know, eh, optimism? Not yet. Okay. Not yet. I, I really like the kid. Um, I, I think he's going to be a player here eventually. I just wonder, uh, you know, they did sign Stefan Wisniewski, yeah. right? Right, right, right yeah. of course. Um, and Dotson yeah, did miss a that, week of practices as well. Which presumably that was yeah. for a reason. Uh, at least initially, I would think you go with the the known known commodity, right? Yeah, I didn't. I wasn't suggesting he would be DeCastro's immediate backup or pushing Filer or anything like that. But it sounds like reports have been strong that he's, you know, he's not just a total redshirt guy necessarily. I, mean, he, I, I was disappointed in two things today. Um, he he actually did a brief zoom at the end of practice. I was driving home to get ready for this fine program, so I I just listened to it when I got home. I didn't participate in it. Because, Dale, I've done one I, – I, I got in on the Roethlisberger Zoom while I was driving down the parkway. I wasn't going to do that again. Uh, <laughs> you know, trying, to, trying to drive and listen and unmute and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's just not good. Kids, don't try that at home. But, uh, <laughs> Kevin, Kevin Dotson did acknowledge that he had gotten some work against the ones, so we can say that. And um, he, didn't, he was not asked if he was telling the Steelers defense what play was coming 
as he had done at Lafayette. He was Marie not. Got no. the, nah. he, he made the, he made such a splash after they drafted him when he talked about intimidating the defense by telling him what play was calling. Probably what, not a real good idea play to was tell coming. Cam Hayward yeah, what's coming. So, hey, yeah. Hey, and then running, it, running it successfully anyway, because that really just just crushes their soul. You know, <laughs> They know what's coming and they can't stop it. He wasn't asked if he's doing that now, but I, I would assume he's not. You're not at Louisiana Lafayette anymore. No. Well, that's going to do it for our portion of uh, your portion of the show, or I should say that's going to do it for your portion of the show, Mike. Uh, we're going to let you go. Uh, we appreciate you dropping by, as you always do. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Matt and I will continue with the we'll second We'll do those hour. 53-man roster projections. We will do that, and it could be the that entire take hour. Half an hour. We could take the yeah, whole maybe. hour doing that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Lots to talk about there. Lots to chew on. Uh, but this is the Training Camp Report on Steelers Nation Radio. That was Mike Pursuta, Matt Williamson, and myself, Dale Lally. We'll be back right after this to finish up the show. Matt, what movie do you think of when you hear that song? None. I have no idea what you're talking about. None. 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 I bet I'm going to say I didn't see it, and you're going to say, oh, you didn't see this. You've not seen The Dude. No. Really? I don't think I've ever heard of The Dude. No, no, I'm talking The Dude is the character. Oh, you're talking about The Big, the Big Lebowski? Lebowski? Yes. It's been a long time, though, and I don't recognize that song in, in there. I'm a little embarrassed the, to say. He's in the back of the cab, and he's, he's, they're right, he's get, leaving Malibu. Okay. And the guy starts... I don't know that movie as well as I should. Uh, I mean, I'm a little embarrassed to say because it is a good one. It's a great movie. It is, yeah. Great movie. Uh, looking at, around the league here, this is the uh, training camp report on uh, Steelers Nation Reader. Actually, he was in his car driving. They, they were playing the Eagles when he was in the back of the cab. Oh, okay. Not the Eagles, man. <laughs> Um, I wish I could participate in that little game a little better. Miami Sorry. Dolphins coach Brian Flores told reporters uh, that Ryan Fitzpatrick is back and expected to practice today. Uh, he had left training camp after his mother passed away on Saturday. Uh, Real good, life gets in the way sometimes. Yeah, every once in a that while. That sucks, yeah. Uh, speaking of, He's going to start, though. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of things that are not good, the, the Chargers announced the safety Derwin James has suffered a right knee injury during Sunday's practice. Uh, he's continuing to be ev- evaluated, but it doesn't look good. It looks like some kind of meniscus injury for Derwin James. This will be the second year in a row where he's It's horrible. Hurt I mean, I, I'm really hoping that's not the case because he's one of my favorite players that I have the highest hopes for. And, you know, like when he was out last year, we were talking about a lot of, a lot of dime lately. The Chargers led the league in dime because they had Derwin James. You know, like I'm not saying Marcus Allen's Derwin James, but, I mean, like you have a guy like that, it allows you to put a lot of defense backs on the field, speed and handle coverage. It has a, a big ripple effect. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the big news of the day was the Jaguars waving Leonard Fournette. No, folks, the Steelers aren't interested. No. Uh, and uh, I admit I had a little interest when that rumor was floating around in draft time, but – I feel so much more confident about Snell and Mc- they didn't have McFarland at that point. Yeah, that I think this backfield's in much better shape than I projected it to be in you know early September. As we mentioned in the previous segment, uh, free agent defensive back Logan Ryan agreed to a one-year, seven and a half million dollar deal 
with the New York Giants. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, it's a, a lot good of fit money for, for one right, year. So that's not a bad deal for holding out forever. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he probably won't be asked to do super complex stuff, a lot of man coverage, but that's not much time to get ready for the Steelers. Not a lot of time. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, New England Patriots quarterback Cam Newton was excused from practice on Monday. Um, running back Lamar Miller passed his physical with the Patriots, so he is able okay. to start practicing now. But Newton missing practice on Monday, that's interesting. He was excused. Yeah. I mean, I, I hope it's not his mother passed away or something. Yeah, you, you hope know, it's like not something that, bad, know. but you would think they'd want all the practices they can get with him. Oh, without question. You know. It makes me think of something serious, personal issue, something like that. I, I still think Damian Harris will be their starting running back. I do as well. Yeah. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers announced that linebacker Fred Warner has been placed on the reserve COVID-19 list. This is like the first time that I remember a guy who's been in camp yeah, with right, the team right, right. now testing positive. I think it was, as Adam mentioned it today, J.C. Treader said, said something along the lines of there's been zero positive tests or something like that. He announced it. So maybe this is the first one or maybe he was – Correct me if I'm wrong, but if he was near someone that had it, doesn't he have to go on the list too, or True, something like yeah. that? True. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, it doesn't mean that he tested positive right, right, himself. Right. It just means that he has maybe uh, come in contact okay. with somebody. Uh, also, uh, fellow linebacker uh, Dre Greenlaw is in the concussion protocol for the 49ers. He's not a well-known name, but they like he him a play. lot. Yeah. He's, a, he's a good guy. He's a good player. Yeah, yeah he's important for them. Uh, the New York Jets announced officially the signing of Dante Moncrief. Wow, good for him. That, uh, that fits, I guess. Uh, the team also claimed defensive back Zane Lewis off of waivers from the Cardinals and released kicker Brent Mayer. Okay. Well, good for Moncrief. He might make that team. That's not a loaded receiver core. This is an interesting one. Linebacker Avery Williamson agreed to a restructured contract worth $3.5 million this season. The deal includes uh, $1 million guaranteed and is worth a, a max of $5 million. Uh, that will save them uh, $3 million in cash and $3.7 million in cap space this year. I wonder if that's going to Clowney. Perhaps. There's Perhaps. usually another shoe to drop on those things. Yeah, there's, that would be the reason why you would clear up uh, three point yeah. seven million in cap space. They could use them. Making, and looking to they've make been a kind move. of linked to them a little bit. Yeah, um, Rams coach uh, Sean McVay says receiver Cooper Cup does not have an anchor, ankle injury, but does have some soreness. Uh, Cup reported that he had a uh, muscle strain on the lower side of his uh, leg, uh, around the, just above the foot. It's expected he'll be ready for the season opener. Good. Okay. I mean, there's. So many of these injuries have been so vague, and you just get a clip or a headline. I mean, it sounds like that one's pretty safe. This is one that involves the uh, Steelers' Week 2 opponent. Uh, Bradley Chubb, I don't know if you saw this over no, the weekend. No, I didn't. Um, left practice early, I believe on Saturday, uh, saying that his knee, which he, was, he had a torn ACL yeah, right, last right. year, just wasn't feeling right. Ooh. I mean, I'm sure they're taking every precaution, obviously. Yeah. That's, that's He didn't scary. practice today. Um, but uh, Vic Fangio says uh, Chubb will be pretty damn close to 100% in his, his hmm. quotes uh, by unless week he, one. Unless he tweaks it in week one for week yeah. two or, you know, play a whole game on it, you know, play 50, 50 snaps in week one, maybe come week two he's sitting out. or I mean, I'm speculating. They also signed Mark Barron. Yeah, they did sign Mark Barron. Uh, they announced that today. Linebacker Justin Stranad was placed on the reserve injured list. And, um, Steelers Graham, 2018 free agent classes. uh Hooking on Hooking all over. Hooking on all over, yeah. <laughs> all right. uh, Graham Glasgow is going to miss a few days for them as well. He's good. Yeah. I mean, he's a, Their interior line is pretty solid, and he was a pretty big money free agent. Um, the Colts have removed safety uh, J- Julian Blackman from the active uh, non-football injury list. He was the uh, kid out of Utah this year. They yeah. drafted him. Uh, also, defensive tackle Sheldon Day is still making progress. 
progress after what uh, Frank Reich called a freak injury during an early camp drill. Hmm, okay, both those guys are you know projected to make the roster, and you know they're legit players. Uh, Titans coach Mike Vrabel told reporters there's no timetable for linebacker Vic Beasley's return, but he's hopeful to work with him soon. Hmm. I don't think they got any better on the edge pass rush. I think they got worse. I think they got worse, right? Yeah. Clowney's been linked to them a little bit, too. Um, the uh, Washington signed uh, wide receiver Tony Brown and released uh, Darvin Kidsey Jr. The uh, Cardinals released cornerback Jalen Davis, which brings the roster down to 74. Wow. They've already started cutting guys. They also waived tight end Ryan Becker. Uh, guard Steven Gonzalez and defensive end Adam Schuler. Wow. You don't, don't have to do that until, people, but you don't have to do that until Saturday. But they're obviously doing this early. Maybe I guess it, it, it lessens the opportunities for somebody yeah, to test positive. So I was thinking that's all COVID related. You yeah. know, like we, we have to give fewer tests you that day. Never see you yeah, never right, see teams right. cut down before they have to. But no. usually they'd have another preseason game coming. And you up. want all those yeah. sorry scrubs to play in week four too, so your good guys don't. So yeah, maybe that's going to be a trend. Could you know, be get rid of five guys we know aren't going to make the team before and, they get hurt, and then you got to pay them. We don't have to stick <laughs> a swab up their nose anymore, and you know, yeah, go you, from don't there. Want, you don't want these guys getting hurt uh, Thursday or Friday night, and then you got to pay them. Yeah, right, right, fall in a hole, right? Uh, Kansas City Chiefs center Dan Kilgore is on the uh, non-football injury-related uh, and, and uh, offensive tackle Martinez Rankin did not practice on Monday. Okay. Um, they just signed Kilgore. With Kilgore, he may have to, he probably still waiting to get uh, yeah, through the test. Cleared, right. um, the Seahawks officially signed wide receiver Lance Lenore and in a corresponding move, waived injured running back Patrick Carr. Don't know those That people. sounds like a uh, kind of a... a uh, Housekeeping move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Ravens, they uh, waived defensive end John Daka, wide receiver Michael Darius, and center Sean Pollard. The team also placed wide receiver DeAndre White on injured reserve. This would seem to be another one of those preemptive, hey, we're not going to keep these guys around. Let's yeah, get, it sounds let's, like let's, let's start clearing the roster. Trimming the roster a little bit. They lost three three spots opened up. Yeah. Uh, same thing with the uh, Houston Texans. They announced that they've waived defensive tackle Albert Huggins, quarterback Alex Magoo, and uh, linebacker Darren Bates. It sounds like that's going to be a trend then. Yeah, you know, that's what it looks this like. This is what, what's going to happen. Is, and it makes perfect sense. How about this one? We mentioned this guy earlier in the show, and he got released today. The Las Vegas Raiders released cornerback Prince of Makamura. Did they really? Yeah. He did mention him. He's first-round pick who's always been an adequate player. Someone will pick him up unless there's something injury related. Wouldn't surprise me if he ends up back in New York with the Giants. Yeah, right. maybe he will, right? <laughs> new yeah. coaching staff, new regime. They, yeah. We didn't draft He's him. He's like that hockey player, journeyman hockey player that yeah. just changes teams year after year. <laughs> but again, a former first-round pick at the corner. And he can play. You know, you yeah. always want to get better than him, but he can play. Uh, the Browns wave center Casey Dunn and wide receiver Damian Willis on Monday. More of the same, sounds like. Yeah, it sounds yeah. like more of those. And then uh, Bengals guard Alex Redman passed his physical on uh, All right. Monday. All right. So. Yeah, a lot of stuff going on. Lots of stuff happening. I expect to see that probably over the course of the week you're going to start to see guys released. The Steelers have not done so yet. They're still at 80 players. They're at 80. Yeah. In fact, they just made us a roster move today to bring in another wide receiver. Huh. I mean, but – I mean, not to divulge too much, and we're going to talk about the the roster, your your final roster soon. I mean, you could probably come up with five names that wouldn't be missed. No chance, right? yeah. <laughs> right, right. This is an interesting yeah, right. one too. Um, the uh, Vikings and tackle Riley Reef are stuck in a late camp salary impasse, and for now, Reef is uh, he's saying he's he's not going to he's not going to back down on this. He expects he's telling his teammates he expects to be released. Wow. 
I mean, he's a speaking which tackle. Alvin Kamara is now. Uh, yeah, there's been some, some talk that him and Mixon, or a lesser degree Cook, and remember Ingram did that where you, they they they're calling it hold ins now. Yeah, you can't hold out, but that's so weird to me. Like they come to the facility and just say, eh, I'm, I'm taking the day I off. I got a headache. I'm not playing today. What, like, can, what happens when they start uh, playing games? They're not going to miss games. No, but they don't want to get fined, so they show up. Right. But they hold in instead of hold yeah. out. I'm just here so I don't get fined. Right, right. <laughs> but, I mean, and I'm not cool with that if I'm a coach. No, that's not good. No, no right. Why did we put this in the CBA to begin with? Right. Right. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. He is Matt Williamson. I'm Dale Lally. You are listening to the Training Camp Report here on Steelers Nation Radio. Uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to hear from a couple of guys who spoke today, uh, one being uh, Jerry Olsaski, the other being Bud Dupree. Nice. Uh, two uh, key, key guys on this uh, the Steelers plans uh, for 2021. And uh, I'm excited to hear the Jerry O one. Yeah, Jerry yeah. O is unbelievably funny. <laughs> let's, let's do that one next. Okay. We'll do that one next. Uh, we'll do it right after this on the Training Camp Report. Welcome back to the Training Camp Report. I'm Dale Lally here with Matt Williamson and, of course, Wes Euler spinning the t- tunes there. Haven't playing, had the bagpipes in a while. Playing our theme from the drive. Right. That's our, that's our theme song. It's coming around. Oh, yeah. I mean, I it doesn't get played nearly in. Uh, nearly right. in that's a, like in season. That's what we, that's our Yeah, go-to. that reminds me of like a Tuesday uh, after a big win, you know, <laughs> yeah. the drive. That's what, that's what you hear. With Matt and Dale, right. Uh, I referenced earlier that uh, Jerry Olsavsky is an important guy. Um, yeah, with this uh, 2020 team, he was an important guy last year. Working with Devin Bush, working with Mark Barron in, in mm-hmm. his uh, new role with the team, um, he has know. a special teams background. I mean, oh, I know yeah. he played on special teams yeah. a ton, but I think he was a special teams coach in college at times too. Strength and conditioning, he did yeah. teams, all that stuff. He Which is, is a, really his personality. Yeah, I mean, know? he's a high energy guy, and right. I think he'll, that really comes out in this interview today. His, his drum beats only for him too a little bit. You know? <laughs> He's a linebacker, right, right. undersized linebacker in the NFL. That right, you know, had a lot of collisions. Crafted a ten-year t- career despite not being the most talented guy in right. the room. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, but they make for good coaches. They do make for good coaches. He is one of those. And uh, our uh, Steelers training camp media availabilities are presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The Ford F one fifty is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. That Jerry Olsavsky interview was earlier today. Here's what he had to say. In, in terms of uh, your inside linebacker position, uh, is is Ulysses showing you enough that, that he can be the, that guy who can play either spot inside? Uh, yes, he is. He uh, he's done a very good job at learning both spots, and uh, you know he's done that out there on the field with the calls and things like that. Now he he has a a long way to go. Uh, you know, just in general because of last year, but uh, I like his trajectory. All right, we'll move on to Brooke Fryer, ESPN. 
Hey, Jerry. I uh, was wondering about Devin Bush. Um, specifically, how much throughout the course of last year did Ryan Shazier help him develop uh, as a mentor? And also, how how challenging is it, you know, not having Ryan Shazier around during this training camp to kind of help those guys along just because of all the COVID restrictions? Uh, Ryan did a great job last year. You know, he would, uh, you know, a, a, a player like Ryan puts in different different pieces to the puzzle a lot. And so it's hard to quantify exactly what he did. But, you know, when you have a, a guy there and say, hey, that used to happen to me, and this is what I did to overcome it, that really helps because you you know how successful Ryan is. And and you're like, oh, I'm glad somebody else uh, went through this. So uh, as I said, it's hard to quantify the impact that Ryan had uh, last year only because it was so varied. You know, he, he was great to have around. Um, what was your second part of the question? Uh, sorry, second part was just, you know, how difficult is it to not, or how much of a change is it to not be able to have him around during training camp because of the COVID restrictions? Uh, it, it's really it's really hard to ha not have him around. I, I think about him every day, uh, you know, and I, I have to send a text to him. I, I haven't, uh, but, you know, I go out there and then I, I see a picture or something from, from years past or a clip from years past. And, uh, you know, I'm really like, damn, I miss him. You know what I mean? Because, you know, besides Ryan's or past Ryan's football ability and how well he played football, he was just, he was just great to be around, you know? And, uh, uh, you know, that, that's that's hard because we got a lot of good guys in our locker room and it's nice, you know, Cam and Vince and Minka and, and Ben and all, and all the guys, you know, they, they form a good uh, a good group. Uh, and Ryan's an important part of that group because, you know, he just does stuff and, you know, we can laugh at him sometimes and then he laughs at us. And, and it's, it's a big part of the team. So me personally, uh, I miss him a lot because uh, just because of the – the person he is. We'll move on to Mike Prezuda. Mike, go this ahead. Weird. No, uh, no uh, replies. Mike, what's up? Jerry, how you doing? Come um, on, let's get this thing going. Uh, I just jumped on here. You're early, so I'm late. But uh, Devin Bush has talked a lot about being better in a lot of areas. Uh, he's not any taller from what I can tell. How's he handle pass coverage? Uh, well, I think if we look at last year and he had a pick on a 6'8 guy and uh, he ran down the field on uh, the guy from Cincinnati and, and got the ball out for Mika, I think he does really well in pass coverage. You know, uh, I, I don't, you know, like that the, the word you use to describe him, I, I do not use in my vocabulary when I talk to him. Okay, he, he's a he's a great player. You know, he could jump, you know, 40 inches. So that covers a lot of area. You know, he could fill up the space. And that's what I try to get him to do is say, hey, you know, this is what we're doing. Okay, we're going to maximize your talent. Okay, regardless of what governor somebody tries to put on you. And Mike, I'm not saying that you're putting a governor on him, but I, I don't I, I can't even entertain that because that's, you know, that's just how I am. See, there's right. no give back here. 
Are you guys recording this? Yes. Man, <laughs> you got to keep them on there for a while so I could I could have the give and take. Try to get everybody in. We'll go on to Tim Benz. Tim Benz. Jerry, hi. How you doing? I'm great. How are you? Good. Hey, um, as far as the notion of safeties playing inside linebacker um, and maybe having to do some of that based on numbers and uh, some of your defensive packages. Where are you in teaching those guys, and what are the most inherent challenges to them doing that uh, position switch? Well, the, the biggest thing is if, if, you're, if you like playing football, how much you like hitting people, okay? So if you like hitting people, I, I assume you're referring to Marcus Allen. Marcus likes hitting people, so playing linebacker is no problem for him. Now he doesn't have he hasn't done any a lot of drills over his lifetime to play linebacker, but uh, he's doing a fine job and uh, you know bringing uh, Marcus into my room really pumped up the room. You know it, it got all the other guys excited. Uh, it, I think it got the defense as a whole excited because now you get to see a guy and say, "Wow, that guy really can do some stuff." And so. Um, you know, there's things inherently wrong, but, you know, the, the hardest thing about football is running into people, and Marcus has no problem doing that, so I have no problem coaching him. Let's go to Will Graves. Will, go ahead. Will Graves. Hey, Coach O. I, we need to get Coach Daniels to bring this kind of energy to his Zoom meetings with us. Ah! I'm loving it. <laughs> uh, you should see Coach uh, J.D. on the field. He brings plenty of energy. Don't be knocking <laughs> him because of his energy. You know, what, what has allowed Vince to sort of stick around? It's like this, this circle of, of psychology that I have looking at me. <laughs> I don't know why I'm doing this, but anyway, what was your question? I said, what is it about, you know, Vince that has allowed him to sort of uh, stick around this long? And it, a guy, six round guys usually don't have seven, eight, nine, ten year careers, you know, and what does he bring to your group? Vince is a professional. Go ahead. Vince is a professional, just like Dr. Bradley is a professional and Lawyers are professionals. Vince is a professional, okay? And if you would, every year he does something different and he comes back and people are like, well, Vince should be gone this year because he's not, and he comes back and not only is he the same, but he's acquired another skill. So people, people don't understand, you know, Vince Williams is a very intelligent person. He has an English degree from Florida State, you know what I mean? He's got three kids. His wife really helps him out, you know? So those are just the, the person that Vince is. And that's why on the field, you know, he always sticks around because he loves playing football. And he says, he recognizes his weaknesses and he goes after them with a vengeance. And he gets those weaknesses thrown away. Like if this was, you know, eight years ago, you know, we'd say, well, Vince is gonna play four years and then go away. Well, that's not the same Vince, okay? His, his person is the same, but the football player has gotten a lot better because in his downtime, he's uh, really improved himself. I, I tell Vince all the time, I wish I was like him, okay? I would have played much longer because in the off season, I didn't really have that focus and where I didn't have, you know, I had the drive to play in things, but to go in search of things and find different people to help me, I, I didn't really do that. You know, it, football was different back then. And so, uh, you know, people could keep knocking on Vince. He's going to laugh all the way to a very long, successful NFL career. 
All right, Brian Backo. Brian, go ahead. A little uh, confrontational here, huh? All all right. Um, I don't know what I'm walking into here, but good morning. Watch Uh, out. (laughs) (laughs) When we talked to Keith early in camp about the uh, the inside linebacker position, he said. Uh, Can you start again? Yeah, can you hear me now? Yes. I could hear you All right. before when we, I wasn't listening. <laughs> when we talked to Keith early in camp about uh, the inside linebacker position specifically, he said communication was an issue at times last year and that playing Vince Moore should help with that. I mean, was was a lot of that a factor of just having two new guys playing so much in, in Devin and Mark? And in that vein, have you guys decided who's going to wear that coveted green dot in 2020? Uh, the green dot is, is still up for grabs. Uh, that's uh, – that's for the Coach Tomlin interview. I don't control the green dot. But, uh, you know, communication is very important uh, on the football field. And the better you could do it from the front to the back is what's so important. And, and that's where some things were lacking. And also, when you look at the offense, offenses have been changing where they um, – they do things to screw with your communication. And we weren't, we didn't do a good job with our, our second communication. You know, we could get the defense set, but then after they started moving, things, things were different. You know, we had a lot of uh, new players. You know, if I think about San Francisco, Mika was there for, you know, about 48 hours he was with our team. And, and so to have that cohesion is, is really hard. It, it, it does take, you know, very good communicators at all three levels, but it also takes some practice, you know? So when you, when you think about, you know, Minka shows up in San Francisco and we start playing and Pharrell Edmonds has to adjust and my guys have to adjust and Vince wasn't playing that game. You know, there's a lot of uh, unknown there going into a game. And when you're a player, you like to go into the game and say, okay, I know who I'm working with. I'm going to be talking to Mike or I'm going to be talking to Angela. and, And that's how the game goes. Um, you know, so that, that's a very complex thing. And, and even Ryan, uh, it took him a while. It probably took him, you know, one year to get over, you know, abrasiveness by veteran players. Then it took him another year to find his voice. And then by the third year, then he was a coach on the field. You know, so it, that, that's, that's not an easy transition. Some people... Uh, just naturally do it. You know, like I tell my guys, I, I have a good voice and I can talk. And and they know that when I talk, you know, they're going to listen, but just because of the energy I bring out of my voice. And, and that's that's something we work on, you know, uh, just getting them to do it. And, and then they got to go on the field and they're thinking about running into people and, and they got to remember to talk. So uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a process, but it, it's a process every year for every football team. And I think we're progressing well there. All right, we got time for one more. We'll go one to more. Bar. Okay, Bo. It's going to be the last. Bo, go ahead. This recorded, so all these goofy faces <laughs> I'm making are going to be. Yeah. <laughs> Morning, all coach. right, Bo, what's up? Let's go. What's up, man? Hey, uh, when's the last time you were at the NVR club? And uh, in terms of this linebacker crew and piggybacking on uh, Marcus Allen earlier, you're talking about that energy. Um, what is his personality and why does he have that energy? Uh, I don't know what his personality is, okay? But he's a high energy 
uh, football playing son of a gun, you know, some people would say, and, and that's what you like, you know, I think that's probably why we drafted him. You know, we, tr- we thought, you know, he played safety in college and things like that, but uh, you know, that's uh, you know, sometimes, you know, I, I remember when I got in the league, they said it takes a couple years for some players to develop. And, and that's, you know, hopefully what we're seeing right now, we're going to see Marcus, in his third year, really develop into a real professional. You know, I talked about Vince earlier as being professional, okay? Devin, as young as he is, does some very professional things on the field, and that's why he makes plays like that. Vince does professional things off the field. Marcus has a very professional attitude, okay, whereas he's going to go and run into people. And that you can't have enough of those guys on the football team. I'm, I'm so happy to have them in my room. It's, it's not, it's not even funny. And maybe that's where I get some of my energy from, but uh, you know, he's really, I don't know if I've answered your question, but I gave you a lot of good words there, but uh, you know, Marcus is and my whole room is good. You know, Robert Spillane, he's a demon. Uh, Dooley is fast. You know, he's learning the defense. He knows the defense. He's just learning the little intricacies of the defense. You know, like people would ask me, wait, well, how, how do you do that? You know, and I'm like, I don't know. That's just what I do. That's an intricacy that I have to teach my guys. Okay. Not that I want them to play like me, not that they can play like me, but they could play. I want to play better than me. They're, they're faster than me. They're bigger than me. They're stronger than me. So all these little things, when I watch football and I say, oh, I wish I would do it that way. That's what I have to teach him. Okay. So Marcus, you know, it's a new room, but he's done a great job. He, he knows what he's supposed to do if he was playing safety and he knows what the linebackers are doing based on that knowledge. Okay. So, uh, you know, the pandemic really, you know, we missed, we missed 2000 snaps. So when you think of that, that's really two football seasons. Okay. So I tell that to my guys all the time. I say, listen, we're missing two football seasons. Okay. We think about Lawrence Timmons, Lawrence Timmons played a thousand snaps a season. So think of all those plays that Lawrence made in two years. We missed all those. So I got to get my information to these guys and, and maybe that's why I bring more energy. You know, if I was at the MVR club, okay, uh, I'd have some good pasta with the Cassises because they're really great people. Uh, I miss Carmen, uh, but Joey and uh, Frankie are great people. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of great places in Youngstown to eat uh, Italian food. I was up there a while ago for my mom's funeral and, uh, I thought about places, good places to stop, and the MDR was was actually one of them. So that was Steelers inside linebackers uh, coach slash uh, apparently budding stand-up comedian Jerry Osaski. <laughs> High energy, <laughs> yeah, lots of energy from him today. Lots of little asides uh, mm-hmm. after talking. I, I don't. I, I think you guys he, should have him on every week. I think he realized he was on camera the whole time, but okay, you know, maybe because <laughs> we weren't on camera as well, he didn't necessarily get the whole concept but. i'm sure you've seen this over the years but there's so many personable assistant coaches that people don't know you know yeah. that are really and he's been i mean I, I covered him when he played as well and he was always he's Probably always even been a pit you know yeah. right low, you know he's always been time. one of those guys who's you know a, a little different character yes charismatic <laughs> but, uh, yes that's what we, we could call it that <laughs> uh anyways we're going to take a break when we come back we're going to hear from 
Bud Dupree. Uh, this is a, a little bit of a different interview, but Bud, uh, Bud had some fun with it, and Bud, I think, is uh, he is motivated to have a big year. Yeah, I think he might. Yeah, so let's hear that next, right here in the training camp report. Matt, uh, Bud Dupree's a guy that um, his first few years in the in the league, uh, Steeler fans loved to hate Bud Dupree. Right. And they were a little rough on him. I mean, the, the label project was associated to him in the first round, and you can't exactly expect instant results. And I think he's turned the corner a little bit. I believe he has, yeah. and uh, certainly uh, is a, a very big part of what the Steelers want to do this year. Uh Defensively, I think he he and T.J. Watt are kind of Cam Hayward's the heart and soul of that defense. Sure, I think those two are the engine though that makes it kind of go. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. I mean, also high energy people we talked about. You know, uh, they can Jerry just do o. so much. They can do so much. Yeah. And his high moments are real wow factors. I mean, he blows some people up. Yeah. So our Steelers training camp media availabilities are presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The Ford F one fifty is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Bud Dupree, as we mentioned, uh, talked to the media earlier today. Here's what he had to say. 2018 season, before last year, you went back and and looked at the amount of sacks you you could have or should have had, and you would have had double-digit sacks. You had double-digit sacks this past season. Did you go back and look at some more and figure out how many you could have had and what do you expect this year? Yeah, definitely. You know, anytime as a pass rusher, you always go back and look at the sacks that you uh, could have had that you missed, you know, that was in your hand. You know, uh, you try to correct those mistakes. You know, finishing is a part of it. So, you know, you got to make sure that that's the number one priority, you know, as a pass rusher to make sure you finish at the end. You know, you're going to have a situation where it might not be the ideal uh, position for a sack, but you got to keep it going and just you know, make that play. All right, Joe Rudder. Joe, go ahead. Hi, bud. Did um, you guys ever get close or do any negotiations on a long-term deal before uh, the deadline passed? And, uh, you know, what are your thoughts <clears throat> playing on the franchise tag this year? Uh, the franchise tag is, you know, uh, is what I'm in now. So, you know, uh, it is a part of business. And, uh, you know, we, we came close to a, a two-year, $200 million deal. But I was like, nah, camp, camp can get the money. So that was fine on me. All right, we'll move on to Albie Oxenrider. Albie, go ahead. Hey, bud, how you doing? Good, how are you? I'm good. I uh, have a question for you about um, where you and the team are, uh, you know, from a from a preparation standpoint uh, mentally for the season. You're two weeks away after all you've been through, after all the questions in the in this offseason. Does it feel real to you right now? And 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 you feel like this is it? You're ready to go? Well, like truly, uh, you know, during the virus, the whole situation, the pandemic came in. Uh, you know, it's a lot of uh, it was a lot of air in between our thoughts that when we play, we'll be able to practice. But like once we came to camp and you know, just been around Coach Tumman, you know, listening to him, him leading us um, the right direction, preparing us for this type of environment that we'll be playing in the new environment of the world. And you know, now it's starting to feel back real again. So uh, a lot of guys are gazing back in, you know, we're locking back in. We're, we're full focus. Count's been going good for a lot of people. And, uh, you know, we're trying to get better and better each day so we can be prepared for the whole season and the playoff run as well. 
All right, Brooke Pryor. Brooke, go ahead. Hey, bud, I was just uh, watching a video of you from earlier this summer where one of the workout things that looked like you were doing was having someone hit you in the stomach with a medicine ball. Uh, huh. <laughs> what? Why? Uh, and also, what other kind of things were you doing uh, to work out while everything was kind of locked down? Yeah, that's a core exercise that I do. Man, it's just something really to show out, you know, just uh, basically getting punched in the, in the stomach. Some It's a boxing, what boxers do. But, you know, uh, you know, I just did a lot of different stuff during the quarantine that um, that I can make sure I stayed in shape, uh, stayed stay active the whole time, didn't want to just sit around and be idle. You know, that was uh, that was a good thing that I, I had to do, not try to sit around and wait on the virus. So go out and make sure that I'm preparing myself for the season as if we would have played in uh, – now that we know that we are playing, you know, it's, it's, it was a uh, great gesture by me just to go out and make sure I kept working. It was fun during that during that whole lockdown time to even be able to just leave the house and go to the gym and work out. So that was fun for me, even having that that lead with. All right, Mark Caboli. Mark, go ahead. Hey, bud, how you doing? What's up, um, Mark? My question is, uh, TJ said he's not much into that pass rushing coach in the offseason, but you're the opposite. Uh, what did you get from Chuck Smith that helped you the most? And were you even able to get down there this year with him at all because of the shutdown? Yeah, uh, yeah some guys like Panther Coach, some guys don't. But, you know, me, um, I'm always in the stepping stone of wanting to learn more and wanting to just see how other guys move and, uh, you know, uh, what a password coach sees in me and uh, what he can help me with. You know, Chuck is always the – I tell people all the time, Chuck is the, is the foundation of password. You know, he's the – one of the first ones to really do it at a high level. He's the foundation of it. And, uh, you know, then uh, also you add in other guys in too, like BT and Mark. Uh, Mark Hall, who I was working with, BT and um, Jordan, too. You know, all three of those guys, if you can go just be a part of their program in the offseason, I feel like it'll take your it'll take your, uh, your mentality to a different level as far as, as far as knowing how to win. And also just take your mental to another level too, just by being, you know, just learning the learning the angles, learning the hand movements, you know, learning uh how they see it despite of how you see it as well. All right, Jeff Hathorn. Jeff, go ahead. Hey bud, I can understand why you turned down two hundred million. That's a bit low. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I'm just wondering, what are your emotions knowing that you're going into the final year of a contract where you control where you're going to be after this season? Yeah, man, it's a, uh, it's, it's a, I would say it's bittersweet. It's a, uh, it's, it's also, it's a blessing to be able to get to this point in my career, you know, to still be here, um, to work through adversity, you know, work hard and just be in this position I am today. And also, you know, I'm being a driver's seat, in my driver's seat of my career right now. So I go out and just play the best I can play. You know, everything will take everything will um, play its place at the end of the being in place at the end of the year. You know, I'll be able to control my own discipline. But for right now, I just got to go out and just keep working hard the way I do. You know, keep trying to get better and better each day and keep having my teammates like we have to compete against each other and just make us that much better. But, you know, man, uh, at the end of the day, it's a blessing. Uh, and it's a business It's a business too, so, you know, it goes both ways. Mike Prezuda, Mike, go ahead. Hi, bud. Uh, what have you seen from Alex Highsmith so far? And what would be the ideal number of snaps that uh, you and TJ could take off uh, and still be effective? Oh, man, Alex is ahead, man. Alex is doing real good. Um, he's a smart kid, very athletic. He moves well. 
you know, uh, and he's always eager to learn stuff. So he's always asking questions and trying to uh, imitate some stuff that we do just to make sure that he's doing it correctly. So, you know, he's, he's always trying to, so he's running to the ball well. You know, he's actually making plays on the field too. So, you know, it's, uh, it's it's good to just see how he came in prepared. Even do even during the pandemic, he didn't even have OTAs or anything like that. He still came in. He's doing pretty good. And uh, how many snaps we can take off? I mean, whenever we get tired, we'll come out. <laughs> we ain't really got no issue with that. Whenever we get tired, we want to be the first that we can on the field so we can make as many plays as possible. And uh, Alex and whoever else is, uh, Ola and um, and uh, all, all the other guys, you know, they come in and they'll provide that spark that we need when we're not on the field. All right, we'll move on to Will Graves. Will, go ahead. Hey, bud. You know, last year you you said all the right things when we'd asked you about your contract. And you said, look, I'm betting on myself. And obviously that paid off for you. Is there any level of concern when you look into 2021 and beyond about the the state, the financial state the NFL might be in with – we have no idea what the, the long-term effects of not having fans in the stands might have. Or Is there oh, concern yeah. about that for you, just what your value might be next summer? Or next spring? I uh, know, right? No, nah, that's a big thing to think about. But at the end of the day, uh, end of the day, I think everything can handle itself, and um, and uh, we're just everybody's just looking for the best. All right, we got time for two more. We'll go to uh, Brian Backo. Brian, go ahead. Hey, bud. Uh, there was a report last month that uh, you and your your agency had filed um, some paperwork to to maybe get your franchise tag bumped up to the defensive end number um, because there's some wiggle room sometimes with those situations. Uh, whatever came of that, and what do you kind of consider yourself, an outside linebacker or uh, or more of a traditional end? Oh, yeah. So that's in process right now. And uh, my agent and, uh, and the Steelers are handling that situation. And, uh, you know, uh, in the defense, the type of defense that we play, and the type of scheme that's taking over a new lead, you know, uh, I feel like DNs and linebackers are all the same category. So, you know, it's uh, it's just that type of uh, new style that defense are being played in the NFL, you know, just different type of body style with the same type of position. All right, last one. We'll go to a follow-up. Uh, Jerry, go ahead. Hey, uh, uh, Bud, last year you guys played with the lead so few times. I think 16 quarters out of 64, yet you still led the league in sacks and takeaways with Ben back and some of the weapons that you've added on offense, if you're playing with the lead, what can your numbers be this year as a defense? How much more can you exceed what you did last year? You know, you always want to have a lead just so you know it's going to be uh, a pass most of the time. So uh, with that being said, man, like uh, you can get way more opportunities when you got the lead. And uh, with those opportunities, we got to create plays. So. Uh, we get those opportunities. We got to create the plays and create the splash plays that we can, and you know it, it may be something special. That was Steelers outside linebacker Bud Dupree. And outside linebacker is an edge. Where's he? An edge. End? He's an edge. We've got Pursuit is not on. Whatever that. <laughs> He's not backing any line. He's an edge. He's an edge. And he talked a little bit about there that at the end there. Uh, but uh, not only is a win his argument. Though. I don't think he is either. But that's still in negotiation. I guess we'll mm-hmm. see where that goes. Uh, not that the Steelers have a ton of free cap space to uh no necessarily just handing things out willy-nilly but yeah. right but uh that's gonna do it for our show today so for my partner here matt my, yeah matt williamson yeah, or one. mike pursuta who joins us in the first hour for wes here spinning the tunes <laughs> i'm dale lolly we appreciate you listening to this edition of the training camp report here on steelers nation radio